The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Gobble, gobble, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 46, and tonight, it's Thanksgiving, so it's a holiday for me, but that doesn't mean there's no show for you, because we're going to take a trip back in time to the golden age of radio once again, and we're going to hear a classic story of a frightened invalid woman across phone line, and... A tale of suspense. When we take a listen to Suspense Theater's Sorry! Wrong Number, starring the inimitable Agnes Moorhead. But instead of me gabbling, why don't I start the show? Because uh, I gotta go eat Bradford's pie. Yeah, I said that. In the arms of the angel, I'm Brian from Movie Meltdown. Will you be an angel for a helpless episode? Every day, innocent episodes are abused, neglected, and left without someone to download them. And they're crying out for help. Please go to MovieMeltdown.com and download as many of these lovable episodes as you can. It costs you nothing to download them and rescue them from obscurity. With that simple act of kindness, you provide them with the attention they so desperately need, the shelter of a warm MP3 player, and love. Right now, there's an episode that needs you. Your download says, I'm here to help. Go to MovieMeltdown.com and do your part to rescue an innocent episode. Thank you. Okay, Screamers, welcome back to another episode. It is wonderful, as always, to have you here beside me. So what the heck has been going on since last time? Well, a whole hell of a lot. I don't even know where to start, so um, I'm just going to start at the top and say that, you know, well, it's Thanksgiving, or as the British refer to it, and the stay out day, because that's funny because they are pilgrims and nobody, I'll forget it, tomorrow is Thanksgiving anyway, Uh, which means it's my anniversary, well, it's Bradford and I's anniversary, we have been together seven years, oh my god, can you believe it, I certainly can't, but um. Yes, so hooray for us. Just remember when you're eating your pie tomorrow that the turkey wasn't the only thing getting stuffed tonight. I, I just meant that we'll be eating a lot of food. It, it did, shut up! Why does everything have to be so base with you people? God! So I'm not going to talk about Horror Hound Weekend stuff just yet because there's a lot to cover and I, got, I lost track of time, to be perfectly honest. Uh, when we got back, Ed and I were both sick. And I was sicker than he was. You see, out of the kindness of their hearts, Jay and Stu and Questionable Mike, you know, from Penny Cult Radio, well, they were kind enough to take us out for, you know, brunch on Sunday of Horror Hound Weekend just to say goodbye, have some sit-down time, and they took us to the worst Chinese buffet ever. Let's just say the diarrhea started flowing before we were out of the car, taking us back to the hotel, and it stopped sometime the following Friday. Don't you wish you were sitting next to us on our flight home? Ah! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, stewardess. The, the seatbelt sign is still lit. All right, I'll just shit on myself. I'll just shit on everybody in the next three adjacent rows. Is that preferable? And give me a pack of macadamia nuts while you're at it. Well, you know, they have a throw-up bag in the seat in front of you, but they don't have a diarrhea bag, and that's just wrong. Well, we're off to a classy start. Yes, we are. Um, also, it was kind of sad this past weekend. The Ryan case has closed for the season. That's the murder mystery show that I've been working on for three years now. And since it's done outside, it's just too damn cold. Um, and this is always sad. You know, I've been mopey since then. And Brad doesn't really understand this about us artist types. You know, when a project ends... 
sure depression sets in. Oh yeah, we're not going to see these people way anymore, and these people are never going to be working, you know, together in this way, and everything's going to change. But it's also like I like I've been with this show since the beginning. I created this character, and he's my baby. Patrick Burke is my baby, and it's sad to send him away. And I don't think I'm going to do it again next year, just because you know it's been three years. It's been a crutch. Move on, girl. Even Rhoda had the good sense to leave Minneapolis for for New York City. Because it was colder and should keep better. What am I even talking about? But the last day, some in- some fun stuff happened. You know, since it was taking place in a bar and we were the suspects, you know, they'd, they'd find us all in various spots in the streets. We'd use our director's apartment as a dressing room. And then when the time came, we'd just go right to our locations around the park or around the neighborhood or whatever. And so... My friend Elena, Elena Acker, who you might remember from the first episode of Drama Queens, which I also think is going to be the last episodes of Drama Queens, but I'll come back to that later. Well, we were walking to our spot in our ridiculous 1873 garb. You know, she's got, I've got me, I'm not so bad. I just got a bowler hat and some ugly suit on, but she's stuck. Man, people think she's Pennsylvania Dutch. She's got this drabity, drab, drab, shapeless dress, dragging a pail of coal with this bonnet that makes her head Looks like I don't. I don't. It looks like a pin cushion. You just want to stick pins in the back of her head. But anyway, we're walking along, and all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, oh, it's happening! It's happening!" And she grabs me by the arm, and we're in the middle of a crosswalk, and she, the lights about to go back. To, you know, we're losing the green light, is what I'm saying. The lights. She grabs me. She comes dragging me back again across two lanes of traffic. She's like, "Look." There's a little Asian kid pooping in the street, just like I told you. Now, those of you who are listening for a while might remember that earlier in the year, great havoc was wreaked when I was at my spot in the uh, my old spot in the park, and some Chinese kid with his mom just came up and took a dump right on the street in front of me, and then just walked away like nothing had happened. And uh, Elena, who worked in Korea for several years, she was like, "Oh yeah, well that's apparently how they do it, Angel. You know, little kids they just poop wherever they are." There were these little gown things, and poop, there they go. And she's like, look, he's pooping right in the gutter. And I'm like, well, at least he's doing it over the sewer opening. But this was this was cause for rejoicing. I'm like, I just watched a little kid poop for like five minutes. And I almost got run over doing so. So the last thing I would have been doing in my life would be watching a little Asian boy poop over sewer grating on a street in New York City while dressed in the ugliest ye oldie timey clothing outfit ever. But at least I was wearing clean underwear. But I'm saying. So with the holidays upon us, you know, I've just been thinking about all these things to be thankful about. And, you know, how to be nicer to people. And, you know, keeping a lot of the positive energy going. And all this good stuff. And it all came to a grinding halt. This afternoon. In the CVS, which is the local, which is a drugstore chain here in the States. It was a perfectly good day. I had to pop in, pick up a prescription, and I'm dippity bopping out like skippity bow. What a beautiful day! And just as I was, you know, entering the, you know, just as I was about to hit the uh, automatic doors to leave, a blind woman came in, you know, middle age, and you know she's got her dark glasses on her cane, and she's cocking her head as if she's listening, and then she says, you know, out loud, she goes, "Can somebody tell me if this is the Capital One Bank?" And since I was standing right there and I was feeling particularly chipper, I'm like, uh, no, no, this is the CVS. She goes, oh, um, well, could you, I know this Capital One Bank is around here. Could you help me find them? I was like, sure, sure. So we went outside to the street and I kind of, I knew it was around. Um, and it was right on the opposite corner. I said, oh, uh, there it is. It's just right across the street here. And she goes, oh, thank you very much. I said, oh, well, the traffic's kind of heavy. Do you need me to take your arm? This bitch lost her fucking mind. She was like, get the fuck away from me. I'm not handicapped. I can find my way around just fine. I don't need your goddamn help. I'm like, well, you couldn't find the fucking bank in the first place, Helen Keller. Go fuck yourself. I almost pushed that bitch into traffic. And not a jury in the world would have convicted me. I was being nice, goddammit. How dare you? How dare you, blind bitch? You are the anti-scream queen of the week. I don't even know what that sound would be. would be like, Wah! I don't know. It's just awful. And, you know, in retrospect... Had I known how this this whole little interchange was going to to end, when she came in and said, "Is this the Capital One Bank?" I would have said yes, and then I would have pretended to be an ATM and I would have taken her deposit. I've been like, "Boop boop boop boop," kush, 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 kush. you know, throw some papers for my wallet in her hand. She'd be like, "Oh la la la," and I'd be like, "Hey, I just robbed the blind lady." 
And people would say, Patrick, you're despicable. And I said, no, no, no. You don't know how it was going to turn out. You don't know what she would have done had I been nice to her. And no jury in the world would convict me. So speaking of people who are assholes, Bradford and I, we live across from this grammar school. Well, it's Caddy Corner to us. And it's got this big playground, so we always hear the kids playing out, you know, on lunch break. However, the lunch break playground is lorded over by this Nazi-esque woman who walks around with a bullhorn for the entire hour and just screams at these children with the bullhorn. And if it's not bad enough that this bitch has a bullhorn, before any time she makes an announcement, there's a siren on the bullhorn. So it's like, Stay away from the water fountain. How many times do I have to tell you, stay away from the water fountain? It's so obnoxious, and we just hear it all day, every day. Although we do hear some wonderful snippets that are very mysterious. Like, this one was one of our personal favorites. one of the first one we heard. I hope you noticed that none of you are playing basketball today. You're not playing basketball today because of what happened in the cafeteria this morning. And both Bradford and I were like, what happened in the cafeteria? <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Gang rape in the cafeteria means no basketball at lunch. Whatever. This bitch drives me crazy. And now there's a new thing. She just keeps... I don't know if she's assigning detentions or something. Or maybe you get cutbacks on your on your lunch break. But now everything starts with... Five minutes. If you do not put the ball down now, five minutes. How many times do I have to tell you to stay away from the water fountain? Five minutes! Do you want another five minutes? Get away from it right now! And stop gang raping people in the cafeteria! Five minutes! I, I turned to Brad, I'm like, just, I can just picture this bitch taking this thing home. It's just communicating with it constantly with her family and in her husband in intimate moments. That's not it! You are missing my clitoris completely. Five minutes. Oh, the other fun thing about the final day of uh, the Ryan case was that it turns out one of the other girls in the cast, this girl Nancy, who plays the hooker, Sally, she went to see the Blackout Haunted House, which I talked about, you know, in the Halloween episode, you know, with lots of nudity. So she also had the treat of being hit in the face with our boss's balls. Now, if you don't understand that, go listen to the other episode. Yeah, and she's like, oh, yeah, I have friends who were coming on the show that went, too. I'm like, so we've all been hit in the face with Carlos's balls. She said, yeah. I'm like, we should form a support group. And at the after party, it just built into this whole thing that we're all, all we did was talk about Carlos's balls, and everyone wanted to hear stories about Carlos's balls. And <laughs> now there's a gesture, there's a universal gesture for Carlos's balls, which I can't show you. I'm trying to show you right now, but I keep forgetting this isn't video, so the story's not funny. Let's just say, once you've been touched by Carlos's balls, nothing is the same. They leave a mark that is indelible. I came for the haunted house. I left with ball face. So Bradford and I have been seeing a lot of theater lately, which is just, which is great, but I wish I could talk about it on Drama Queens. I just don't think it's going to happen. I would love for it to happen, but this show alone is a huge time commitment, and trying to do both, something's going to suffer, and I don't want this show to suffer, and the other one's not. I would love to do it. Maybe I'll make special episodes, but I just got to dish about a couple of things right now. First of all, we went to see Voca People. I was bullied into seeing Voca people. Now they're a touring group and they made internet history, I guess it was sometime last year, because a video of them on Britain's Got Talent went viral. 
and their whole thing, you probably saw it, they're an acapella group of like 10 people or so, but they're dressed completely in white, head to toe white, including, you know, hoods over their heads, and their faces are painted white, white gloves, so they look like giant sperm. That's why I didn't want to go. Like, I don't know, it just seems weird, and I just can't get past this sperm thing. It's sperm people. Sperm people, sperm people, have sperm and have people. Singing at me, and the whole thing, and they're supposed to be aliens, and their ship is powered by music, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Vocally, they are amazing. But I just couldn't get past this sperm thing. And plus, as Bradford pointed out to me, and once he pointed out, I could not notice it, being all in white like that and having your face white like that, it just makes your teeth look all jacked up and yellow. I mean, I'm, these are actors, so I'm sure they have whitened teeth, but in contrast with the stark white of the makeup, they just look like they had... They gr- well, they had some fucked up grills, is what I'm saying. So it was fucked up grill sperm people. Sing about that one, don't you? And uh, we also saw a show, which has also been touring quite a bit. I want you all to keep an eye out for a show called The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs. It's a, it's not really a play, it's a monologist, this guy named um, Mike Davey, who uh, once upon a time was a huge Apple enthusiast, you know, the biggest, biggest Apple fan possibly, until he found out the truth about what goes on over there. And it's a really funny evening, but it's also really disturbing and really alarming, and I can't even look at my own phone in the same way anymore, and you know, this might not sound like a lot of fun, but it, 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 it's rare when you go see something and your mind is open and it seriously changes the way you look at the world in general. And I highly recommend it, if it's coming by you, and I know it is, somewhere. And finally, we saw the Broadway revival of Godspell. Now, you got to understand, I love Godspell. I've done the show three or four times, and you think, Patrick, you're such a cynical cunt. Why would you love Godspell? I just do. And I also think it's one of these shows that is more fun to do than it is to watch because there's a certain bond that happens in the cast. It's you know, all, the, all, all my Godspell cast, I'm thinking of them right now. They all feel like family, even though most of them I haven't seen. It's just a special thing that happens. But even regardless of that, I've seen probably dozens of productions, you know, from major, major budget, big budget productions to tiny little church basement, no talent things. It always has this magical spell, even when it's terrible. Even when it's terrible, when it comes to the last 10 minutes, I'm always very moved. There's a couple of songs like the first few notes start and I'm welling up. So I was very excited for this, considering on top of everything, a friend of ours, Michael Holland, who's one half of the cabaret group uh, Gas Hole, who hopefully I'll get one of them on the show eventually, but that's not the point right now, he reorchestrated the original music. So now he's a big Broadway star. So we're all, yeah, this is weird. We're going to hear Michael's music and he's so talented. It was awful. The whole thing was awful. It started, I had my big smile on and... Like halfway through the first number, I started. It just started to droop and go down my face, and I kept hoping, "Okay, this part was pretty good." And then, oh no! <sighs> what boils down to, Jesus is horrible. It's Hunter, Hunter, somebody or other. He's on weeds, and he's gorgeous. But as one of the reviews said, he's like, "Well, he's like a twinked-out zombie version of Jesus." And I said, "Yep." Yep, he walks around and looks pretty, and he says words, and they don't mean anything. And as Bradford said, now Bradford loves everything. Bradford's, you know, very, very open-minded for a lot of things. And and he turned to me as soon as it was over, and he said, My God, I have never been in such a hurry to see someone get crucified. And everyone around us laughed because it was true. This was the first time I saw Godspell and did not shed a tear. Yeah, <laughs> So save your money. Y'all should have come to the Ryan case when you can. I just had somebody write me today like, Oh, Patrick, when, when can I get tickets to your show? I'm finally coming. I'm like, we closed last week. And like, oh, already? I'm like, bitch, I've been in here for three fucking years. Fuck you. Suck my ass. Twice on Sundays, I have spoken. Oh, before we get started, I think I started to say, you know, I've been busy as hell. Lots been going on. I've been sick. I lost track of time. So I wanted to get something out to you guys for Thanksgiving because it's the two-week break. You know, I t- try not to go two weeks without putting something out for you guys. And so and instead of slopping something together for Horror Hound Weekend, which you know I have started to put stuff together, I figured I'd just do a little, you know, one of our trips back in time to the golden age of radio. And so my selection for this week is the classic suspense theater production of Sorry, Wrong Number, starring the delicious Agnes Moorhead, who most of you should know as Endora from Bewitched. And I hope you all enjoy it. 
And I'm not going to be doing voicemail this week. I'm going to save it all for next week. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all on the other side. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Give your loved ones a great big hug. Now give someone you don't even like that much a great big hug. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost anything. And until next time, well, you know the deal. Keep the world a creepier place. And um, and if you want to contact the show, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. That's queens with a C. And you can call me at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And by all means, head on over to palaver.com and join in the conversation on the forums over there. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. And just look up the Scream Queens under the horror movie section, the horror movie podcast section, because there's really good stuff going on. Oh, and hey, before I go, I want to say thank you to all you people who donated to the show. I am very moved. All of a sudden, I got three or four fairly sizable donations all in a row, and I am delighted. And you know what? We're going to have t-shirts available for you to buy before the Christmas season. Ooh, better tell Santa. I don't know what I'm saying. Just be happy. Oh, God, I'm so sappy. God, Jesus Christ, play the fucking radio show. Shoot me in the damn head. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart I have but one desire. Columbia's program, Suspense. Our star tonight is one of the most compelling actresses in America today, Miss Agnes Moorhead. Miss Moorhead returns to our stage to appear in a new study in terror by Lucille Fletcher called Sorry, Wrong Number. This story of a woman who accidentally overheard a conversation with death and who strove frantically to prevent murder from claiming an innocent victim is tonight's tale of suspense. If you have been with us on these Tuesday nights, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with Sorry, Wrong Number and the performance of Agnes Moorhead. We again hope to keep you in suspense. I've been dialing Murray Hill 70093 now for the last three quarters of an hour, and the line is always busy. I don't see how it could be busy that long. Will you try it for me, please? 
I will be glad to try that number for you. One moment, please. I don't see how it could be busy all this time. It's my husband's office. He's working late tonight, and I'm all alone here in the house. My health is very poor, and I've been feeling so nervous all day. Ringing Murray Hill, 70093. Hello? Uh, hello? Is Mr. Stevenson hello? there? Hello? Hello? Oh, hello, George. Yes, sir. This is George speaking. Hello? Who's this? What number am I calling, please? I'm here with our client now. He says the coast is clear for tonight. Yes, sir. Where are you now? In a phone booth. So don't worry. Everything's okay. Very well. Now, you know the address. At 11 o'clock, the private patrolman goes around to the bar on 2nd Avenue for a beer. Be sure that all the lights downstairs are, eh? There should be only one light visible from the street. At 11.15, a train crosses the bridge. It makes a noise in case her window is open and she should scream. Oh, hello. What number is this, Steve? Okay. I understand. Now make it quick. As little blood as possible, eh? Our client does not wish to make her supper long. Will a knife be okay, sir? Well, the knife will be okay. And uh, do you remember the other details? Yeah, yeah, I know. Remove the rings and bracelets and the jewelry in the bureau drawer. That's right. Our client wishes it to look like simple robbery. Don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. All right, then. Be sure to... Oh! Oh! Oh, how awful! How unspeakably awful! Operator, I, I, I've just been cut off. I'm sorry. What number were you calling? Why, it, it was supposed to be Murray Hill 70093, but it wasn't. Some wires must have got crossed. I was cut into a wrong number, and I, I, I've, I've just heard the most dreadful thing. Something about a murder. And, Operator, you'll simply have to retrace that call at once. I beg your pardon. May I help you? Oh, I, I know it was the wrong number, and I had no business listening, but... These two men, they were cold-blooded fiends, and they were going to murder somebody, some poor innocent woman who was all alone in a house near a bridge, and we've got to stop them. We've got to... What number were you calling, please? Well, that doesn't matter. This was a wrong number, and you dialed it for me, and we've got to find out what it was immediately. What number did you call? Oh, why are you so stupid? What time is it? Do you mean to tell me you can't find out what that number was just now? I'll connect you with the chief operator. Oh, I think it's perfectly shameful. Now, look, look, it was obviously a case of some little slip of the finger. I, I told you to try Murray Hill 70093 for me. You dialed it, but your finger must have slipped, and I was connected with some other number. A and I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. Now, now I simply failed to see why you couldn't make that same mistake again, on, on purpose, why you couldn't try to dial Murray Hill 70093 in the same sort of careless way. Murray Hill 70093, I will try to get it for you. Thank you. I'm sorry, Murray Hill 70093 is busy. I will call you Operator. with 20... Operator! Operator! Uh, Operator, will you answer me? Your call, please. Well, you didn't try to get that wrong number at all. I asked you explicitly, and all you did was dial correctly. I'm sorry. Uh, what number are you calling? Oh, can't you for once forget what number I'm calling and do something for me? Now, I want to trace that call. It's my civic duty, it's your civic duty to trace that call and apprehend those dangerous killers. And if you won't... I will connect you with the chief operator. Please. Oh, uh, Chief Operator, I want you to trace a call, a, a telephone call, immediately. I don't know where it came from or who was making it, but it's absolutely necessary that it be tracked down because it was about a murder that someone's planning. A, a terrible, cold-blooded murder of a poor, innocent woman. Tonight at 11.15. I see. Well, can you trace it for me? Can you track down those men? I'm not certain. It depends. Depends on what? It depends on whether the call is still going on. If it's a live call, we can trace it on the equipment. If it's 
been disconnected, we can't. Disconnect? If the parties have stopped talking to each other. Oh, but, but of course they must have stopped talking to each other by now. That was at least five minutes ago, and it didn't sound like the type who would make a long call. Well, I can try tracing it. May well, I have your name, please? Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Elbert Stevenson. Now, but, but listen... And your telephone number, please. Oh, Plaza 42295. But if you go on wasting all this time... Why do you want the call traced, please? Why? Well... Oh, no reason. No reason. I I mean, I, I merely felt very strongly that something ought to be done about it. These these men sounded like killers. They're, they're dangerous. They're going to murder this woman at 11.15 tonight, and I thought the police ought to know. Have you reported this to, to the police? Well, no, no, not yet. You want this call checked purely as a private individual? Yes, yes, but meanwhile... I'm sorry, Mrs. Stevenson, but I'm afraid we couldn't make this check for you and trace the call just in your say-so as a private individual. Well, I... We'd have to do something more official. Oh, for heaven's Sake. You mean to tell me I can't report that there's going to be a murder without getting tied up in all this red tape? Why, it's perfectly idiotic. Well, all right, all right, I'll call the police. Thank you, I'm sure that would be the best way to... Ridiculous, it's perfectly ridiculous. Oh... Uh, the police department. Get me the police department, please. Uh, thank you. Bringing the police department. Police station, precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Uh, police department, uh, uh, this is Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Elbert Smythe Stevenson of 53 North Sutton Place. I'm calling up to report a murder. I mean, the murder hasn't been committed yet, but I, I, I just overheard plans for it over the telephone, over a wrong number that the operator gave me. I've been trying to trace down the call myself, but everybody is so stupid, and I, I guess in the end you're the only people who could do anything. Yes, ma'am. Well, it, it, it was a perfectly definite murder. I, I heard their plans distinctly. Uh, uh, two men were talking, and they were going to murder some woman at 11.15 tonight. She lived in a house near a bridge. Are you listening to me? Uh, 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 yes, ma'am. And, and there was a private patrolman on the street. He was going to go around for a beer on 2nd Avenue. And, and, and there was some third man, a, a client, who was uh, paying to have this poor woman murdered. They were going to take her rings and bracelets and, and, and use a knife. Well, it's, it's unnerved me dreadfully, and I'm not well. Oh, I see, and I, when was all this, ma'am? Oh, well, uh, about eight minutes ago. Oh, uh, then you can do something. You do understand. Uh, what is your name, ma'am? Uh, Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Albert Stevenson. And your address? Uh, 53 North Sutton Place. 53 North Sutton Place. That's near a bridge. The, the Queensboro Bridge, you know. And, and, and we have a private patrolman on our street. And, and, and 2nd Avenue... And what was the number you were calling? Murray Hill 70093. But, but that wasn't the number I overheard. I, I mean, Murray Hill 70093 is my husband's office. He's he's working late tonight, and I was trying to reach him to ask him to come home. I'm an invalid, you know, and uh, it's the maid's night off, and I hate to be alone, even though he says I'm perfectly safe as long as I have the telephone right beside my bed. Well, we'll look into it, Mrs. Stevenson. We're... And we'll see if we can check it with the telephone company. But the telephone company said they couldn't check the call if the parties had stopped talking. I've already taken care of that. Oh, you have? Yes. And personally, I feel you ought to do something far more immediate and drastic than just check the call. What good does checking the call do if they stop talking? By the time you track it down, they'll already have committed the murder. Well, we'll take care of it. Don't you worry. Well, I'd say the whole thing called for a search, a complete and thorough search of the whole city. Now, I'm very near the bridge, and I'm not far from 2nd Avenue, and I know I'd feel a lot better if, if you sent around a radio car to this neighborhood at once. And what makes you think the murder's going to be committed in your neighborhood, oh, ma'am? Well, I, I don't know. Only the coincidence is so horrible. 2nd Avenue and uh, uh, patrolman in the bridge? 2nd uh, Avenue is a very long street, ma'am. I know it. And you know how many bridges there are in the city of New York alone. Oh. Not to mention Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens, and the Bronx. I know. How do you know there isn't some little house out on Staten Island on some little 2nd Avenue you've never even heard about? Oh. How do you know they're even talking in, about New York at all? But I heard the call in the New York dialing system. Uh, maybe it was a long-distance call you overheard. Oh. Uh, telephones are funny things. Look, lady, why don't you look at it this way? 
Supposing you hadn't broken in on that telephone call. Supposing you'd got your husband the way you always do. You wouldn't be upset, would you? No, I suppose not. Only it, it, it sounded so inhuman, so cold-blooded. Well, a lot of murders are plotted in this city every day, ma'am. Well, we I... managed to prevent most all of them, but a clue of this kind is so vague. I... Isn't much more use to us than no clue at but all. But surely you... Unless, of course, uh, you have some reason for thinking this call was phony and that somebody may be planning to murder you. Me? Oh, well, no, I hardly think so. Well, I, I mean, why should anybody? I, I, I'm alone all day and night. I I see nobody except my maid, Eloise, and, and, and she's a big girl. She weighs 200 pounds. She's too lazy to bring up my breakfast tray. And the, and the only other person is my husband, Albert. He's crazy about me. He just adores me. Waits on me hand and foot. Has scarcely left my side since I took sick 12 years ago. Well, and there's nothing for you to worry about. But I... Now, if you'll just leave the rest of this to us, we'll but take care of it. you do. It's so late. It's nearly 11 now. We'll take care of it later. Well, will you broadcast it all over the city and send out squads and, and, and warn your radio cars to watch out, especially in suspicious neighborhoods like mine? Lady, I said we'd take care of it. I... Just now, I've got a couple of other matters here on my desk that require immediate attention. Oh. Good night, ma'am, and thank you. Oh, you, you idiot. Now, why did I hang up the phone like that? Now we'll think I am a fool. Oh, why doesn't Albert come home? Why doesn't he? Operator, for heaven's sake, will you ring that Murray Hill 70093 number again? I can't think what's keeping him so long. I will try it for you. Well, try, try. Oh. So nervous. It's so long. I'm sorry. Murray Hill 70093 is busy. I will call you. I can hear it. You don't have to tell me. I know it's busy. Oh, if, if I could only get out of this bed for a little while. If I could if I could get a breath of fresh air or just lean out of the window or, or see the street. Hello, Albert? Hello? 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 Oh, what's the matter with this phone? Hello, hello? Hello? with this telephone tonight, but it's positively driving me crazy. I've never seen such inefficient, miserable service. Now, 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 look. I'm an invalid, and I'm very nervous, and I'm not supposed to be annoyed. But if this keeps on much longer... What seems to be the trouble, please? Well, everything's wrong. I haven't had one bit of satisfaction out of one call I've made this evening. The whole world could be murdered for all you people care. And now, now, my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing every five seconds or so. And when I pick it up, there's no one there. I'm sorry. If you will hang up, I will test it for you. I don't want you to test it for me. I want you to put that call through, whatever it is. It, it was. I'm afraid I cannot do that. You can't? And why? Why, may I ask? Your name. 
But there are ways of finding you out. And I'm going to report you to your superiors for the most unpardonable rudeness and insolence that has ever been my privilege. Give me the business office at once. You may dial that number direct. Dial it direct? I'll do no such thing. I don't even know the number. The number is in the directory. Or you may secure it by dialing information. Now listen here, you... Oh, what's the use? My voice answered them just now. That's why they've been ringing me. Why no one has answered me. Oh, 
please. Operator, try that Murray Hill 7093 number for me just once more, please. You may dial that number direct. number of Hensley Hospital. Hensley Hospital? Yes. Do you have the street address? No. No, it's somewhere in the 70s. It's a very small, uh, private and exclusive hospital where I had my appendix out two years ago. Uh, Hensley, H-E-N-C-H. Well, will you please hurry and, and uh, please, what is the time? You may find out the time by dialing Meridian 71212. Oh, for heaven's sake, I've no time to be dialing. The number of Hensley Hospital is Butterfield 7. <laughs> Butterfield 70105. Henshley Hospital, good evening. The nurse's registry. Who was it you wish to speak to, please? I want the nurse's registry at once. I... I, I want a trained nurse. I want to hire immediately for the night. I see. And what is the nature of the case, madam? Nerves. I, I, I'm very nervous. I I need soothing and, and companionship. You, you see, my husband is away, and I'm Have also... you been recommended to us by any doctor in particular, madam? No, but I really don't see why all this catechizing is necessary. I, I, I just want a trained nurse. I was a patient in your hospital two years ago, and... After all, I, I do expect to pay this person for attending me. Well, we quite understand that, madam, but these are war times, you know. I know that. Registered nurses are very scarce just now. And our superintendent has asked us to send people out only on cases where the physician in charge feels it's absolutely necessary. Well, it is absolutely necessary. I'm a sick woman. I'm I'm very much upset, very. I'm, I'm alone in this house, and I'm an invalid, and, and, and tonight I overheard a telephone conversation that upset me dreadfully. In fact, if, if someone doesn't come at once, I'm afraid I'll go out of my mind. I see. Well, I'll speak to Miss Phillips as soon as she comes in. And what is your name, ma'am? Miss Phillips? And when do you expect her in? I really couldn't say. She went out to supper at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? But it's, it's not 11 o'clock yet. Oh. Oh, my clock has stopped. I thought it was running down. What time is it? Just, just 15 minutes past 11. What was that? What was what, madam? That, that click just now in my own telephone. As though someone had lifted the receiver off the hook of the extension telephone downstairs. Well, I didn't hear it, madam. Now, about this... But I, I did. There's, there's someone in this house. Someone downstairs in the kitchen. And they're, they're listening to me now. They're listening! Oh, but you've got to, you've got to hear me. 
Sorry, must have got the wrong number. D- d- don't worry. Everything's okay. closes Sorry, Wrong Number, starring Agnes Moorhead, tonight's tale of Suspense. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense with us again next Tuesday, when Mr. Donald Crisp and Mr. John Loder will star in the suspense play called The Extra Guest. Producer of these broadcasts is William Spear, who with Ted Bliss, the director, Lud Gluskin, the musical director, and Lucille Fletcher, the author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> what? You thought you could just stick me at the end of your show and not let me have my say? Well, this Thanksgiving, I am grateful that I still have my boot. To shove up your ass, boy! Thanks, Grandma Ma. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody!